Kalimerhava, everyone. Welcome to the 13th episode of Sesta, an Island Talks podcast. This is Meltem calling from Maastricht. I am thrilled to be hosting the very first episode of Sesta for 2023. In this 13th episode of Sesta, I am privileged to be accompanied by the great Nicholas Kyriakides. Nicholas is a lawyer, an academic, and a lobbyist. He studied law in Athens. He received postgraduate degrees from University College London and New York University and a PhD from Oxford University. He was also a visiting researcher at Harvard. He teaches civil procedure and banking law at the University of Nicosia. He is the founder of Oxygono and its projects Cypress Forum and Nomo Platform. He received the EU Citizens Prize and was included in the Future Leaders Invitation Programme by the Ministry for Europe and Foreign Affairs of France. Congratulations on your well-deserved prize, Nicholas. Hi, Meltem. Thanks. And uh, uh, just to comment on this, uh, these prizes are uh, based on team effort. uh, So uh, congratulations to, to my colleague. Yes, congratulations to all your team. We're so proud of you as Cypriots. Today we'll be elaborating on democracy. Our interview will be mainly about Nicholas's recent TEDx talk at Limassol. The link of the TEDx talk is provided in the description of this episode, and I certainly advise you to watch a talk. Again, Nicholas, thank you very much for making time today. I look forward to asking you my questions. Merhaba, and thank you very much for inviting me. <laughs> Throughout your talk, you provide an answer to the following question. Can we really afford to lose democracy? You state that democracy remains the best political system we have, and as such, we cannot afford to lose it. Therefore, I would like to begin by asking you the following question. How do you define democracy, as it is such a vast and a contested concept employed by all the political spectra, ranging from the anti-vaxxers to climate deniers and to social democrats and greens? And in the same way, Why can we not afford to lose it? First of all, I should say that I don't have a background on political science. I have a legal background. I'm just very passionate on, on policymaking. And as, as every citizen that uh, wants to participate in public discussion, I'm trying to figure out what indeed is the best way to, to go. And uh, looking at uh, not only Cyprus, but also many other countries to struggle both in their political systems, their uh, economic systems, their uh, social cohesion. I'm trying to think about ways to to improve our policymaking systems. And, um, you know, reading a little bit uh, Plato and Aristotle and, uh, you know, comparing them to to today's world and and also thinking that uh, 100 years ago we uh, used to live in monarchies i think that uh, first of all it was a, a a very important step for humanity to progress from monarchy to democratic systems democratic systems uh, meaning that not only one person or a number of people usually not elected but uh, either appointed or in the case of countries with uh, kings or queens uh, the position to to be inherited i think that 
it's very important that we move to a system where all citizens have the right to vote and elect their leaders, their uh, representatives, both in the executive as well as in the legislative branch. This might have been successful and uh, effective one century ago, but it seems that in today's world, this is not. It is not because, because of many reasons. First of all, the population has increased. You know, everyday life is very complicated. Politicians and elected representatives have mo- so many things to uh, think and decide upon. So it's either we go back to monarchy or to, you know, uh, go to a system like meritocracy or something, or keep this power that uh, theoretically citizens, we citizens have, and try to push to to improve it and make it more effective. The, the problems that I identify is that political uh, elections are usually happen and uh, are are decided uh, not you know based on on who is uh, who deserves to get elected, but um, who has the most uh, you know party uh, who has the most power. Uh, backed by political parties. So, you know, all these problems, I think they will be somehow fixed if citizens become more uh, active and not only during elections, but also, you know, during the rest of the time, contribute to uh, policymaking, assisting their elected representatives. And when I say citizens, I don't only mean, you know, active citizens and NGOs. I also include the business world, I include the academia, uh, research centers, think tanks, the media, and um, contribute to towards uh, better decision making. Uh, this will also give more, you know, a, a more legislative basis, a more democratic basis on on the, the the laws that are being voted, on the decisions that are being taken. The, the citizens will, will feel more included, and on the other hand. This will, um, in a way, uh, fight corruption because citizens will be more hands-on to uh, on to policymaking. Uh, now, coming to your other question, that how can we, if we move to a model with more, you know, civic participation, with more voices being heard, how can we uh, reach, uh, you know, the, the right decisions when we have, you know opinions varying from the one spectrum to, to the other. Uh, my opinion on, on this is that another tool that, you know, the new model of democracy needs is uh, better fact-finding and better, and you know, tools to, to reduce fake news and, uh, and, and therefore, uh, you know, opinions which are based on scientific evidence are um are, are heard uh, also i mean someone could say that you know science is also subjective and there are scientists who think uh in one way and scientists who think in another way this is not you know this is not bad to happen uh, and and sometimes when you have two different opinions it's better to you know to to, to reach a, a decision which is somewhere in the middle uh, again, I'm talking very theoretically. My, in one sentence, my suggestion is that we need to move towards more uh, participation. And as I say, to, to the model of participatory democracy, 
replacing uh, representative democracy, which is what we have now. I mean, to be honest, this was the second question which I wanted to ask you, so you already <laughs> also answered that. Um, Fact-checking is indeed very important, but how can we really accommodate that in practice? Of course, it's another question which we uh, which we should answer, because I don't think... I think it is easier said than done, particularly in this age where everything is connected and dispersed through social media. Um, I would like to... Um, again ask you something which is from your TED talk and arguably this is a continuation of my previous question and on the emphasis which you put to involving more and more citizens. So you say throughout the talk that the political system must protect minority points of view to protect us from leaders inclined to lie, cheat and steal and paradoxically protect the majority from minorities who are determined to subvert the constitutional order. This is why in some democracies, even when irresponsible leaders are elected, democracy survives. Can you maybe give an example of this happening when an irresponsible leader was elected and the democracy still survived? Well, generally, I think it's not, it's not correct to characterize someone as irresponsible but uh, it's it's better if we put it as even though i said it uh, it's it's better to uh, talk about irresponsible irresponsible actions or ideas i think we have had some politicians uh, who have acted or have talked uh, irresponsibly uh, recently uh, i'm gonna i'm going to refer to uh, the, the the Brexit campaign in the United Kingdom. I want to refer to the uh, riots in the United States Capitol two years ago, uh, and also to to the to the war uh, in Ukraine uh, by Russia. So the, the the idea is that in the in the United Kingdom and in the United States and even in Russia, I think that you know democratic institutions are quite strong and. It, even uh, when uh, uh, such leaders uh, who are sometimes, you know, acting in um, uh, an irresponsible way, uh, democracy survives because you have checks and balances. You have um, you have the legislative branch which can stop some uh, actions. You have the uh, judiciary uh, who can also do it, and uh, and of course this must strengthen because uh, you know the enemies of democracy are many and um, you know we have i think we're gonna have other instances coming up in in, in more countries soon countries need to create these um, you know these institutions the checks and balances so that uh, uh, they control uh, leaders and on the other hand we shouldn't expect from leaders to fix everything because it's impossible. And uh, and now, for example, we have uh, elections coming up in the Republic of Cyprus and uh, people are talking about it. And uh, we uh, sort of think that the one who gets elected will, you know, magically uh, fix everything. Even, you know, the Messiah is elected. I don't think that uh, they can fix everything. What we need is uh, a stronger policymaking process, starting from, you know, open parliament, uh, legislative uh, observatories observing the parliament, also uh, transparency in the executive. Uh, you need uh, an independent judiciary, which is uh, functioning well, so as to 
help uh, towards take uh, taking the right decisions and in in case that uh, you know the the head of the country uh, has uh, some good uh, ideas to back to back them up and and uh, you know evolve the country Mm-hmm, indeed, and throughout your talk, you also put a lot of emphasis on the strong democratic institutions, checks and balances. So you constantly repeat that we should invest in the so-called gatekeepers of democracy in order to support a stronger uh, policy-making process. And indeed, this is what you're doing with your team uh, at Oxygono. Um, let's talk about Oxygono. Oxygono, a combination of Oxford and Oxygen, which the political systems desperately need, started as a blog of yours and your two friends at Oxford in February 2012. When you returned back to Cyprus in 2014, the blog evolved into a platform which aims to act as an accountability agent to policymakers. It became an independent platform, one of its kind in the island, comprising of two famous projects, the Cyprus Forum and the Nomo Platform. So my question is, how do you make sure, of course, with your team, that um, the policy-making process, the effective policy-making process, takes place in Cyprus? As I described in, in my TEDx talk, you know, we, we used to take democracy for granted. As, as millennials, we, ha- we hadn't faced any crisis uh, before uh, things started to get, you know, ugly in, in, in early 2010. And, um, you know, the first reaction of, of a citizen who, who hasn't grew up to, to uh, understand how uh, a mature democracy uh, should, should work with, as I, in my mind, I described it before with checks and balances and, uh, you know, more objective uh, policymaking and everything. Uh, we uh, we faced um, you know a situation where we started hearing opinions wh- which were sometimes uh, you know not not based on on, on scientific evidence. A, a lot of uh, people uh, protesting uh, about anything, and we, we tried to figure out what was happening. And, and what we figured, what we thought of doing was to start writing our opinion uh, as ev- basically everyone started doing. But, uh, you know, for example, there was a suggestion that, uh, you know, Cyprus should exit the, the European Union. The reaction of someone who disagrees is to write a strong opinion against exiting the, the EU and, you know, put arguments uh, uh, why the EU benefits Cyprus. That, 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 I think, wouldn't be a very constructive because those people who started, you know, protesting uh, against the EU had certain reasons to do it. Maybe they were uh, disappointed by some uh, decisions uh, by the EU which affected Cyprus negatively, or they thought that some countries in the EU were, uh, you know, taking advantage of other countries, which might have been true. Uh, of course, the, the counter arguments that we shouldn't leave the EU were also true. That uh, you know, a small country, uh, you know, benefits from. Uh, uh, more mature countries in terms of policy making, it gets a lot of uh, financial help and etc. So we we figure out that the best way to to go is to create you know uh, an organization uh, that would um, facilitate more substantive public discussions, uh, which were absent uh, in that period from Cyprus. 
and uh, and also uh, push towards uh, more participation in in policy making by experts by the universities. Uh, also to try to give more transparency in policy making, and uh, you know, in my mind, th- these are more uh, you know these tools in the long run will be more beneficial uh, to, to the whole situation because everyone will have the, their, you know, the opportunity to, to express their, their opinions. The politician will, ha- will hear the different opinions, will, will hear, you know, why some people are thinking like that. And, you know, policymaking will, uh, will, will somehow improve. Year by year, we uh, evolved Oxygono to, to take this uh, shape uh, to organize public talks, uh, in the beginning we had like small events uh, with politicians, technocrats, uh, academics, uh, NGOs, the media, and then we decided to do um, a larger scale conference, which we think that every year uh, it will become bigger and bigger and, and more uh, influential in a positive way to policymaking, uh, the policymaking of, of Cyprus and beyond. Uh, and also another project was a normal platform where we tried to give um, more uh, information what is happening inside the parliament. I mean, when we talk about policymaking, where does policymaking happen in the parliament? But we figured out that no one uh, knew what was happening inside the parliament. As a practicing lawyer, I many times I needed to obtain a, a draft uh, bill that was, you know, before a committee of the parliament. And the only way to do it was to reach out to, to an MP or a political party. And this, of course, um, keeps the relationships between citizens and, and parties to be based on a you know, give and take form, which is not good. So we need tools that citizens can find out what is happening in policy making so we created this uh, this tool now it uh, it became quite popular we also have an app we think that uh, you know it's quite useful we it, it even makes more people even especially young people to to get interested in policy making because all they hear is uh, you know politicians uh, fighting and uh, disagreeing on on various issues but it's it's uh, it's difficult to find you know practical information what's actually discussed and 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 also to to take part sometimes in you know in public consultations. Other things that uh, we as Oxyono do apart from these uh, projects like the Cyprus Forum and, and Noah Platform is that we're quite active in uh, pushing towards you know tools that will further improve democracy. Another example is. The public consultations project, which we um, uh, were quite active in, in the discussion that is now going on to uh, to improve it. The public consultations should happen um, uh, in, in a more transparent way. Uh, the uh, where an, an, online, an online portal was uh, was created. Um, you know, feedback should be asked from uh, relevant players in a more constructive way, um, more in a more specific way, enough time should be given to everyone to respond, and actually feedback uh, should be taken into account. And I mean, this is a practical application of, you know, how I think democracy should work uh, related to what I said earlier. Uh, another example is uh, the regulation of, uh, of lobbying. Uh, lobbying means, you know, citizens or non-politicians having the, the chance to, to influence 
politicians uh, in, in, in this in the decision making process. When this happens behind closed doors, it's uh, it's very dangerous. On the other hand, when it happens in a regulated environment and when politicians are uh, obliged to to record all, all of their meetings, uh, then uh, it is also uh, it is it is beneficial because in, in a formal and regulated and transparent way, politicians can get uh, you know can be benefited from uh, knowledge that uh, they wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, you have talked about the importance of transparent lobbying for democracy and for effective policy making, but transparent lobbying. I mean, already these two words together, it feels like they don't make sense. I mean, you talked about regulated lobbying, but is it really possible in practice? Because we know that lobbying also involves a lot of whining and dining, and its its nature is a bit, actually, conversations that take place behind closed doors, isn't it? Well, everyone should admit that lobbying, one way or the other, is actually happening now and will always happen and cannot be prevented. So what do we prefer? Things as they are or trying to minimize, you know, sometimes corrupt uh, uh, meetings or, you know, exchanges. I think the latter. And um, I think that, as I said, if lobbying is conducted in a transparent and evidence-based way, it has uh, things to offer. It can be beneficial for for democracy. So let, let's let's uh, imagine a, a minister or an MP who needs to decide on you know a pending bill on let's say electric uh, scooters. Okay, this MP probably has no clue on how these things work, whether they have been tested in you know other countries around the globe. So um, what is what usually happens now is that uh, uh, the, these politicians will probably think if there is you know any conflict with any you know interests of their political parties, uh, if there is if there is not, then they will just do whatever they think or what they've read online or what uh, their friend or their you know their influences told them. On the other hand, if uh, you have, uh, uh, if you allow or if you regulate lobbying and cultivate a culture that this is not something bad to happen, and that's why I, I'm trying to, uh, you know, meet me and some other people who believe in this idea in Cyprus, because you know in other countries this is very uh, popular, to like to promote and say that lobbying is not a bad word, shouldn't be a bad word, and uh, it should be if it's regulated and clean. Uh, it, it's good to happen. Uh, I have to say, Nicholas, that even though I do not agree with everything you say, I really enjoy your positive approach to things. And you also like elaborated on that on, on, on your speech, like how you're not trying to pinpoint the negative things, but how you're trying to build up, how you're trying to be constructive. I think this is bringing indeed a lot of oxygen to our political system. So I'm, I'm really thankful for your work and for the work of your team as a, as a Cypriot. Um, citizen. And I'm also really grateful that you're <laughs> providing me this uh, free lecture from which uh, I'm learning a lot. But um, we have to end our podcast. And I would like to finish this podcast with a rather light question. Um, which book or books would you recommend to our listeners who would like to get to know more about democracy and policymaking? making? 
Well, first of all, I should say that uh, I don't consider this as a lecture, of course. I consider it as, consider it as a you know, discussion. And since, I, as I said, I'm not a political science expert. And this is, this, uh, you know, all, all these uh, uh, initiatives come from everyday experience and we're trying to improve them. And uh, sometimes I also disagree with myself uh, a few years ago. So some of the things I say might uh, not be, you know, uh, I, I might not agree with them uh, sometimes. So maybe some, maybe next time I will uh, interview you in a podcast so that you can talk about <laughs> your opinions. Yeah, in terms of books, um, first of all, I, I have a few books that uh, made me, you know, change the way I think, and I want to share them. Either they, they are related to uh, democracy or not. I, I really like the book Connected by Nicholas Christagis, uh, which basically proves scientifically that uh, you know human behaviors are, you know, can be transmitted to uh, one person to to another, and this teaches us that we need to to be good role models and we need to be moral because other people might copy us. Uh, this is uh, this was a you know very uh, mind changing book for for me. Now, in terms of democracy, as I said, uh, um, you know, ancient Greek philosophers, I uh, have uh, you know. Uh, there is a treasure over there someone can can read uh, also michael santel uh, has um, you know very important books on 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 democracy and on uh, you know uh, modern modern democracy and what uh, what what goes wrong and what what doesn't uh, also uh, the MIT professor, who is Turkish actually um darna chemoglu has a book on why nations fail I uh, I also think that this is a very good book. Yeah, I think that's about it. Fantastic. And if I can share a book that I really love with regards to uh, democracy, but it's um, it's not only about democracy, it's a rather philosophical book, let's say, which aims to explain why basically democracy doesn't work and that we have to change our perception on democracy is The Age of Anger from Pankaj Mishra. Also, like he has really nice uh, articles in The Guardian. So for those listeners who would like to get more informed, I cannot recommend these books and readings enough. Last thing, last remark, uh, maybe to, to finish with a positive note. That yes. There's also, the, <laughs> there's also the, the view that humankind is evolving in a positive way. So if we look back, as I said, 100 years or even like 50 years, and compare it to today's democracy, today's system of governance, I think we're, we're better off. So let's hope that, uh, you know, working all together towards improving our, uh, in our countries in, in the next like 30, 40 years, we will be much better than now. Let's hope, yes. <laughs> but I think in the, <laughs> I mean, I happen to be a, a very, um, Sometimes desperate millennial, like you, uh, maybe like you were at the beginning. Maybe I just have to place myself in the right community. But if I'm really honest with you, like the climate change, corruption, uh, the spread of false information, I don't want to sound negative, but it really makes me uh, feel stressed. I, 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 I mean, totally agree. And I, I, I also find myself to be desperate. Uh, very very often and also I, i'm not i'm not saying that things are good uh, i'm i'm saying that there 
maybe slightly better than than a few years back. Maybe we can be optimistic. That's what I'm taking from today. Speaking with you has been enlightening. I'm filled with positive energy and I already look forward to the Cyprus Forum, which will take place on 29th and 30th of September 2023. So listeners, please mark this already in your agenda. This year's theme is transparency. For more information on the forum, please visit the forum's webpage and its social media pages, which are provided in the description of this episode. Also, please watch Nicholas's talk and participate to the poll on the uh, social media channels of Island Talks. Nicholas contends that democracy remains the best political system we have and we cannot afford to lose it. Do you agree? Disagree? Share with us why. The best answers will be read in the next episode of SESTA. As Afer mentioned, the link of Nicholas's TED Talk is provided in the description of this episode. Thank you for participating in advance and for listening. Please feel free to like, comment or share this 13th episode of SESTA and Island Talks and follow us on social media. Stay healthy, stay with peace and stay tuned. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.